Got Your Back Podstream is brought to you by Kinprint. For all your company's promotional needs, they do it all. Apparel, promotional products using the highest quality brands. They do logo design, signage, and printing. Kinprint will promote your brand with excellence. Visit kinprint.ca. Oh, baby, it is Friday. Welcome to the weekend, almost, and welcome to Got Your Back. Y-E-G, Rashog, Strudwick, and Brown. Got a great podcast in store for you. Darren Dreger is going to check in, going to talk a little Euler tactics, some changes that we noticed on day number one of training camp. Struddy's going to talk a little Leon Dreisaitl in his Struddy's world, and we'll do a little rapid fire as well late in the podcast. Got your back brought to you by Sherwood Buick, GMC, our title sponsors. Have you seen the big, beautiful showroom? Man, is it something to see. I can't stress enough to you as well how easy they make the car buying process. Bought a truck there last year. Sherry was my salesperson, and it was awesome. Real easy process. Financing is easy. They got lots of cars there for and trucks for you to actually get into and test drive. Sherwood Buick GMC, great spot just off Baseline Road on the way into Sherwood Park. Proud to have them on board as our title sponsor. As we sit here in the beautiful, luxurious Long Shots studio here in Sherwood Park. Long Shots is a great golf experience, a fantastic sports bar as well. Visit longshots.ca. Say good morning to the fellas, Brownie and Struds. Now, one of the three of us has a 45-minute workout in already this morning. Brownie? (laughs) Well, I had a 45-step workout from upstairs to my basement. Does that count? (laughs) It's so annoying, these morning podcasts, because it's like, you can just tell. Like, he's already showered and forehead shined up for the day. Struds, what have you done already? What have you accomplished on this Friday? I'm not trying to make you guys feel bad by yourselves. I'm just uh, a more complete uh, driven human. So whatever. Like you guys, I'm sure you had your nice breakfast and uh, read the Sudoku. Did a little wordle. You don't read a Sudoku. You yeah. play a Sudoku. Actually, I use your name a lot in Pakaduko or whatever it is, the hockey so one. <laughs> you are so good. You're always below 1%. It's awesome. Nobody picks Jason Strudwick. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, hey, Struds, you were on um, you were on Overdrive yesterday, I, uh, I believe. I saw some noise on Twitter surrounding Overdrive and Jason Strudwick. And what were you, you were chirping about uh, Panarin shaving his head, I think, was the point that you were making. You were frustrated well, uh, with that. I don't know if anyone saw it. I, I, I wouldn't say, <laughs> yeah, frustrated, I think. So Panarin has a sick head of hair, right? It's just massive where he had it and he shaved it off and went bald. And, you know, as a member of the, well, not a member, but someone who, you know, takes pity on the balding community. I, I don't know why someone would do that. I said it was a slap in the face to the balding community. Like, why? Why would you do that? It doesn't it doesn't make sense. So the guys are all over me. But yeah, I, I mean, he had a great head of hair. Why would you shave that off? Yeah, go shorter, but don't like bald. Come on. Yeah, an odd choice. He did have a good frock of hair oh. up there too, though. Like he had a wonderful crazy. flow. Wonderful he flow. He did. Wonderful mm-hmm. flow, and it's a it's a little bit of a waste. Uh, some people had some fun with you on Twitter. We got Steve Taylor. Manning the helm, by the way, behind the scenes in Kelowna, all by himself. 
Now, the last couple of shows that he has done, Zuby has been like in a chair sitting right next to him. Actually, I think he I think he like spoons behind him with his hands through underneath his arms so he can jump on the controls if he needs to. But Steve is on his own. So, Steve, you can probably talk to us. I'm not going to ask you to bring a shot of yourself in because I don't know if if that's asking too much of you. How are you doing so far? Oh, doing great. Loving it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, like I say, I'm a big fan of the show, so it's fun to be a part of it. That's for sure. Can I point out a mistake that you've made already? No, I'm because, well aware. I you know, know, we're all about, uh, you know, I, I I, was hoping the Kinprint logo would pop in where Mr. Durkey is right now. Can you make that happen? Do you have the ability to make that happen on short notice? <laughs> Let me see if I can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing him right under the bus. While simultaneously, you know what else I want, Steve? I want the screenshot that that guy, there's Kinprint, boy. <laughs> that, was, that was resourceful of you. Now, can you give us the screenshot? of that very creative person on Twitter that went, no, 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 not that one. The other one of Struds. <laughs> you ruined the show. No, no, no. Did you, did you screenshot the one of Struddy? I didn't uh, get that ready. I can get it for you though. No, no, no. I'll, I'll get it right now. I've got it right here. Struds, did you see what happened on Twitter uh, afterwards? Some of the screenshots people built and put there of you, uh, of you balding. I did. Well, yeah, balding. I mean, I'm not, yeah, they're insensitive. You know, I'm not, I just, I'm, I'm always trying to be aware of how other people are feeling in the balding community. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here, this is Makita's, what's this guy's name? I want to give him credit. Makita's bucket is his name. I'm going to see if you guys can, can you guys, can you see that? Where am I going to move it that way? (laughs) You can pull that off. You can pull that off. Welcome to Fantasy Island. No, that's a different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apologies to everybody uh, just listening to the podcast because this ain't going to make a lick of sense. But a reminder that we are available over on YouTube. Check us out on our YouTube page. Uh, we also have a pretty cool website that we put together, gybpod forward slash yeg. And uh, our YouTube videos are, are uploaded there, uh, are uploaded there as well. Um, okay. Let's get to the breakdown, guys, because we're going to talk a little bit of uh, Euler strategy. And the breakdown today is going to be brought to you by Mr. Dirk. There, you got the logo switched in there. Attaboy, Steve-O. Iconic men's clothing store here in Edmonton. It was founded back in 1939. If you haven't had a chance to go, I took Strud's last year. We went and had a blast. Just a beautiful showroom. So much to choose from, whether it's your suits your casual wear, your shoes, whatever it is you're looking at, kind of feeling like, eh, time to up my game a little bit. Time for a little bit of an upgrade. Brownie, talking to you, might have to get you over there. <laughs> I see you slinkering around in that press box in like boat shoes and pants that are too baggy. <laughs> time to get you over to Mr. Dirk, pal. I, I know you do radio primarily over there, but that's no excuse, buddy. There's nothing wrong with showing up to work in pajamas. No one sees me. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. A big thanks to Mr. Dirk for being on board here. I want to talk a little bit about strategy, guys. Struds, overall, you know, if you're Jay Woodcroft and you're looking at your to-do list for this upcoming season, obviously cutting down goals against and defending a little bit better through an entire season is pretty high on the list. How much of that do you think you can achieve through systems changes? And we did notice a systems change at practice yesterday, and we're going to get to that in a minute. I think what you can do is you can put uh, systems in place that are a little bit maybe um, more e- easily used. You know, sometimes some really aggressive forechecks or really aggressive plays, they, they work well if everybody's on. But if someone's off, if one of the five is off, 
it breaks down really quickly. Mm -hmm. There are other systems that are more forgiving. So when you, you set them up, they're a more forgiving type system. Um, so if one guy breaks down, there's still, you know, three or four guys behind them, plus the goalie to slow it down, Brownie. Well, I, I think what most teams have, they have, if you want to talk about four check or neutral zone, or even in your own zone, they have two or three or four different systems that they use, depending on who they're playing, who's in their lineup that's healthy or not healthy, score in the game. And they've got to be able to, if, if halfway through the period in the third period, you go up a goal, coach yells down, okay, now we're going into this system. They got to very quickly be able to understand that and get into it. And you've got to be well versed in it as a player because four guys out of five on the ice know what they're doing and one guy doesn't, it messes everything up. So I think what they saw last year, especially against Vegas, how good a system Vegas played and how they played it to a T. There weren't mistakes, there weren't, weren't breakdowns. And to me, it, that was probably the biggest thing for Vegas beating Edmonton in the, in the playoffs was Vegas played their system probably better than the others played there. So I think right now, Jay Woodcroft said, okay, I'm putting things into place. And as uh, Ryan's gonna tell us right away, he's putting them into place on day one so that they will be completely prepared for game one of the season. So before anybody goes bananas at me, there are no secrets in the NHL. I'm not taking secret video from Euler practice and putting it out there so that, you know, Ryan Huska in Calgary can come up with a super strategy because he knows what the Oilers are doing. There are no secrets in the National Hockey League. Uh, so there's no issue uh, with what we're about to show you. But it looks like the Oilers are going to switch the system that they use in the neutral zone. So picture the other team regrouping in their end with the puck. And what system do the Oilers use to push forward and try and force the opposition to go in the direction they want them to go in? They want to try and force a turnover in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and right on day one of training camp, Jay Woodcroft is implementing a different system. And he did it with both groups. This is really early on in the process to be dropping this in. And it speaks to his commitment level to make sure everybody understands it. Steve, you can bring in the screenshot. This is called a 1-1-3. So the players that are circled, those are the guys that are defending the net on the right. Player on the left or up on the boards there has the puck. So you, you send one forward to try and force the puck in a certain direction. Second guy is supposed to read the play, figure out where he applies pressure next. And then Dylan Holloway down on the right side there. He's a forward. He's supposed to stack up on the blue line with the defenseman. And what they're wanting to do here is contest lines a little bit better. Struds, this is different than what we saw the Oilers using in the playoffs last year and, and really through all of last season. Yeah, it is. It's a much more conservative approach to uh, playing, playing in the neutral zone. Essentially what you're doing here is you're breaking the ice in half. So you're trying to make them play on one half of the ice. So you're taking away a ton of space. And then what you want to do is you want that guy that's carrying the puck up the wall to run out of room. And so he's going to get squeezed by F1, which is the, the guy further up, farthest up the ice. Then F2 might come over and shade him. And then the, the person that's on the wall uh, will squeeze up and stop them. Force them to either a turnover or a dump it in. Then you can go retrieve it and get out mm -hmm. of your zone. So it cuts the ice in half, makes it a lot harder, and it reduces speed through the neutral zone. It should really limit the speed that the opposing team hits the blue line with, Brownie. Well, and I think when once you get really good at it, the guy that's pinching off in the neutral zone, he wants to do it at the red line. Yeah. He wants to force the turnover before the red line. That way, you're either turning it over or you're icing the puck. And when you get really good at it, all of a sudden, you're creating a number of turnovers. Now, the, the, the buy-in is tough because you've got guys on the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, Connor McDavid never stops his feet. 
<laughs> but in this type of in this type of four check or this type of neutral zone, the the two first, all three forwards have their feet stopped or are skating backwards. So this you'll see this when uh, your team changes and you're coming on and the opposition is set up behind their own net. That's usually when you're going to see it. If the puck is still in the offensive zone, you're contesting it. You're still getting on a two-one-two four check or being aggressive. But as soon as the opposition gets control of the puck behind their own net, you go into this. And we LA was a team that did this a lot in the playoffs where all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, they never ever forecheck. It's because when they changed, they came out and they got into this system. This won't be something that the Oilers do all the time. This will be something that the Oilers will do at, at times during the game. They'll just change it up and they'll try to uh, catch the opposition napping. Brownie? Yes. If you showed up for training camp and there was a strategy session like that on day number one, I mean, I, I feel I could feel your eyes glazing over when I was describing it. It's <laughs> <laughs> your most offensive, most star-powered point in your career. How did you do with this kind of curriculum? Well, I don't know if I've ever played on a team that played this kind of curriculum. <laughs> it's like, okay, wait a second. You're asking me to go backwards? Yeah. I have a hard enough time going forwards. Um, mm. I, I find it... Uh, I'm amazed that they're doing this day one. I don't know how many guys did they have at camp, Ryan? 40, 50? Oh, yeah. It? Well, two groups of like 26 or 27 plus. Yeah, so yeah there's Between a 50 and 60 players out there, and they're teaching it to everyone. When I went to training camp, and it was a long time ago, I mean, you had, I mean, you're getting bag skated and stuff like You're getting into shape right now. You're certainly not in your proper lines. You're certainly not learning new systems. And I've been on teams where the system play doesn't come in until after exhibition season, once your team is picked, it shows you right now that this focus isn't on uh, just becoming a better team, just becoming a team that can compete. Their focus right now is winning a Stanley Cup, and we know what our team is going to be. We know what we can do and what we can't do, and we're going to start day one so that on day game 82, we have perfected everything that we're trying to get to. The other thing about it, Struds, is that implementing it this quickly most of the Bakersfield Condors are here right now, too. And my guess is they want this system to be played in the American League as well so that when they bring players up, they fit right into the system and understand it. So maybe the benefit this early in camp is it's just like it's an injection to the entire organization so that everybody has a chance to catch on together. Yeah, I never understood how the NHL would do one system, the AHL do a different one. Yeah. I, I never really understood. I get coaches are trying to make their mark. But your job is not to make the mark of the minors. Your job is to make those players ready when they come up to the NHL. A quick comment, though, about this is that if this is going to become much more predictable for the MT owners. The MT owners will be able to be more predictable at crucial times in the games because it's a very defensive posture, right? You know, there's a 1-3-1 that is more, more aggressive. Um, then this 1-1-3 one, one, is very, very passive. Um, and, and you're waiting, it's kind of like a, a Venus flytrap, waiting for, the, for them to come to you, and then you squeeze them out, get the puck, then you counterattack. But it's gonna. I think it's gonna really turn. Uh, you know, take down the number of times that the orders are uh, giving up odd man rushes, and it takes the pressure off the D men, at least off the rush. Now they do have to make plays because the thing I found when we played this type of system as a player is you'd be standing on that blue line with no speed unless they do dump it in. Well, now it's a foot race to that puck, yeah. and that's where it puts a lot of pressure on the D. So I think we should make mention of the hardest position to play on the ice. That it will be harder for the D-men to make these breakout <laughs> plays as uh, as as they go through the season. That point that you just made there about stacking up across the blue line, if they do get the red line and are able to dump it, and they've got a spore a uh, forward moving with speed, and that probably is the solve to a one 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 three like this. Your goalie's ability to play the puck now factors in here, Struds. 
And, and how much does that factor in whether or not you want to use a system like this? Because if they're going to be dumping it and coming at you with speed, your guy's ability to get back there and make a smart play with it suddenly matters a lot more. It does make a difference, but I think you're, 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 there's always trade-offs. Every system's a trade-off, right? There's not a perfect system, otherwise everyone would play it. Mm -hmm. So what I think you do is that you, you're, you're, you're trading those times where you're going to be under pressure for hopefully getting some turnovers in the neutral zone. You don't even have to break out. Uh, the way you break this, though, is that, uh, you know, let's say the guy's carrying up the left side, and then you throw it all the way back to a guy who's way back, maybe at the top of the circle. So let's say I get as a left demon, I'm skating up the ice, I get up between the, the blue line and the red line, and I zing it all the way back to my buddy, who's maybe you, you know, can't make that pass. You're off. He's dumping it back out. into his own zone. You're just I dumping made it all it the time. Shreds. You I missed his it. stick. He needs to completely regroup. <laughs> He's now standing behind his yeah. net. We're with you. And then I get that puck as the right team, man, and I go up the other side because right. all the orders have moved over. So you want to change sides, you know. Other team, what you can do also is I can skate up and hopefully get some speed. And instead of throwing it backwards, I can zing it right across to the guy who's on the other side. Now, you have to make sure you have a good stick if you're the F1 or F2 and try to knock those passes down. But that's essentially how you're breaking it down. The skill teams will do that. Let's hear from the head coach about this system as we get to the Weiss Johnson sound box. If you're getting a new high-efficient furnace put in to replace your old efficient, well, inefficient one, or a garage heater for your garage, uh, make sure you have it serviced as well before winter time hits. You want to get into that nice, super warm vehicle when it's minus 30 out. Make sure all your stuff's serviced and good to go. Weiss Johnson definitely can take care of you on the service side of things. They can put a program in place to make sure you never have to worry about the efficiency of your systems inside the house. Uh, that is Weiss Johnson. Go visit Dennis and the great crew over there. Weiss Johnson, Weiss Johnson, whoa. I think he might be faster on the trigger than Zuby with the Weiss Johnson jingle. You know, it's all about anticipating my read and when it's going to end. And he nailed that. Here's Jay Woodcroft when I asked him a little bit about some of the adjustments in the system. Um, it's very important. So for us, we're we're always looking to add layers to our game. We call it adding a layer to our onion. I think you want to do that without uh, abandoning what makes you a really good hockey team. So um, there's parts of our game that we want to add to. There's parts of our game that we're going to continue to, um, you know, stress and make important. Spoke to somebody who watched a lot of Bakersfield games over the last three or four years, and it was pointed out that this system was fairly common for Woodcroft to have used in Bakersfield and that for a time he brought it to Edmonton when he first arrived. They got away from it last year, and now looks like they're looking to, to drop it back in. Uh, high-flying, high-octane offense, Brownie, a system like this. This is just the neutral zone. I don't think this speaks to any lack of aggressiveness that we're going to see up front, any, any amount of holding the horses back from being the horses that they are. This is just a neutral zone system. It, it is. It, it is a, a lack of aggression, but it's one that will be used when they're winning. This will be one that will be used. you got a, a goal lead late in a period or – Late in the game, you're hanging on to a goal six, seven minutes to go in the game. Okay, let's go into the one-one-three. So that it, it's protecting a lead. This isn't something they're going to do for entire games. Uh, you just the Oilers' strength is their forwards. The Oilers' strength is, is their speed up front. We've talked about how good the sticks are of Connor McDavid, Leon Drysdale, Kane, uh, Hyman. You want them forechecking and creating turnovers in the offensive zone. So this is a, a, a as he said, he's adding a layer that at some point during a game, he will go to this if needed. 
but this is not going to be, in my opinion, this is not going to be the go-to for the Edmonton Oilers. This is just going to be another option that a good team will have. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. And that buy, I like the buy-in point you made, Brownie. Like, Strud's, if you... You know, if you're Connor McDavid or Leon Draisaitl or these guys that, you know, to, to Brownie's point, like to keep their feet moving, we have heard Evander Kane, Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl, Matthias Ekholm, all in availabilities here pre-camp and during camp, and the messaging has been the same. They're looking for improvement in the small areas, looking for small margins now to get themselves over the hump. They have all talked about needing to find this extra little bit of something defensively. So, do you think? their headspace is kind of what not allows Jay Woodcroft because he's going to use whatever system he wants, but maybe gives him the confidence that he can do something like this and get the buy-in that's required from the big guys because they're saying what they're saying. I think that this is something they're aware they need to have. You know, you look at the way Vegas played against uh, the Oilers. They, they, at times they were very hard on the Oilers and the hard Oilers had a hard time getting inside the slot to shoot, to score. Um, you know, Vegas did a really good job and they were they were frustrating the owners with the way that they played. And that's not just their third and fourth liners. Look at the the, the, the play of Jack Eichel through the playoffs. Jack Eichel was elite. Now, I, I don't off the top of my head, I, I want to say maybe he had a point a game, which is incredible, you know, but it's not two or three points a game. But he won his Stanley Cup because of the way they played. And you could roll out four lines. They looked the same every time they had the, 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 the same structure, uh, the same poise with and without the puck. Then yeah, you're 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 more talented players going to score more, obviously. But when all four lines can roll out and look the same, that's when you've got a machine and a juggernaut. And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to that point where everyone looks the same structurally, and then you just wear teams down and frustrate them. Um, and I think that's what they're going for. And I, I, I for one, I think this is a good step in the right direction. Brownie, what do you think about the big guys and their buy-in on that? Well, you you can't implement anything unless your big guys buy in. I mean, Connor and and Leon play 45 minutes a night. So 45 <laughs> minutes a night out of 60, you need those guys to be doing it, or all of a sudden you're putting in a system that's going to be implemented for 16, 17 minutes. Uh, everything we've seen and heard over the last number of years from Connor and Leon, uh, the leadership off the ice, the leadership in the summer, the leadership through practice. Again, I, and I, I stress this, and I know that Strides has probably been the same, in my career, the teams that I played on, the best players were not always the hardest working players. They were not always the most dedicated players when it came to practice or off-season conditioning. That's not the case here in Edmonton. Their best players are their hardest working players, and that bodes well. So I don't think there's going to be any problem at all with the best players buying in here. A couple of observation, observations from day one of training camp. Guys, I'll rip through the lines. Kane McDavid-Brown, Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle Hyman. Fogel, Peterson, Ryan. Ryan McLeod was not on the ice, but that third line, Fogel, Peterson, Ryan. It looks like Peterson was placeholding for Ryan McLeod there. Holloway, Sutter, Yanmark, Ernie, Malone, and Lavoie. Uh, we got Darren Dreger standing by, so we'll be fairly quick with this. I like the way that Peterson skated out there. I thought he looked pretty good, uh, moves well. Uh, but anything, anything surprising there for you in those lines, guys? Uh, to me, Ryan on the third line instead of Holloway. Mm -hmm. I think that surprised me a little bit. I thought Ryan would be an anchor on your fourth line that can move up and down. I thought Holloway, and we've talked about it in these podcasts, I thought that Holloway would be a guy that would be giving at least third line minutes with the odd top six minute here in the preseason. So I was a little surprised that 
Ryan and Holloway weren't flip-flopped. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I, you know, I, I think that those third and fourth lines, I really think they're in flux. I, I don't really see, you know, the final product yet. Uh, and I'm not sure what that final product is going to be. I think there's a lot of questions. You know, Sutter, how's he going to look? Uh, you know, you've got uh, Holloway, uh, Derek Ryan, Yanmark. Like, there's a collection of players. I'm not sure how they fit together. Uh, I still think that's TBD as we work towards the trade deadline months from now. Team back on the ice today for day two of training camp. Exhibition season gets underway on Sunday. Brownie, we're going to cut you loose here, buddy. A reminder that Rob Brown's appearances are brought to you by Kin Print, a local company, family-owned, with decades of experience filling any and all of your promotional apparel needs and embroidery needs as well. Visit kinprint.ca. Have a good weekend, Brownie, and we'll uh, we'll probably chat early next, maybe Sunday night or early next week. Sounds good. I'm here when you need me. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Darren Drager on the other side of a very short break. Stay with us here on Got Your Back. Are you ready to elevate your moving experience? Trusted for over 100 years, Ferguson Moving and Storage are your partners in relocation, ensuring your journey is smooth and stress-free. And say goodbye to surprises with Ferguson's transparent flat rate pricing. Contact them now for a free moving quote and use a promo code Ferguson to receive $100 off your next move. Visit fergusonmoving.com and let them lift your expectations. All right, there he is, Darren Dreger. How you doing, buddy? First time on the pod this year, my friend. I know. Feels like we talk every day. Oh, wait a second. We do talk every day. <laughs> This is the first time on the podcast. So I like the shirt regs. Looking good, buddy. You still kind of got the summer mode, a little unbuttoned, too. Oh, yeah. Respect. I know. Hey. I know. Not many guys could pull it off at 55, nope. Strutty, but uh, <laughs> and I'm in the minority, I think. Maybe a little aggressive with the extra button undone. Lean back like there. That. Let us see what you got going on there. Like what do you think, Strutty? Would you rather no. I did the top like button? No, like no, I don't like that. that. But, there, you know, I don't know. That. Let's see that one. Yeah. You know what I really like about it? There's no, no tan go back. lines. It's fine. No tan lines. You must have had yeah. your shirt off all summer in Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> what you don't know is that yeah, he's got a compound out in Manitoba, and there's nobody anywhere near, and he oh, is au natural <laughs> three quarters of the day every day. Yeah. Well, normally that would be the case, but we had so much algae and stuff in the water this year that I wasn't even able to do that. So. Right on. Uh, okay, let's get to our takeaway segment brought to you by Redefined Health. They specialize in total body and mind wellness from chiropractic and massage treatments to acupuncture, soft tissue therapy, nutrition, and even an on-site registered psychologist. They're here to help you get and stay healthy for a lifetime. Visit redefinedhealth.com. Are you back into it yet, Dregs? I know it takes a little bit to kind of switch from cabbage mm -hmm. mode to uh, digging in on everything, but there's enough to dig in on right now with all of yeah. these contracts floating around out there. And how are you doing re-implementing yourself? Yeah, no, we uh, we kicked up insider trading earlier this week. So, mm. you know, full into it. Nah, I don't think we're full into it. I mean, for me, training camp, you know, not to use cliche is what it is. You know, you're going to have your restricted free agents who, you know, inevitably are going to find a way back and you know we're looking at uh Zegris and Drysdale and maybe Shane Pinto with the Ottawa Senators and you know there's a negotiation um there's no sense of urgency to get to training camp because those are all influential pieces but you have to follow it right and you have to pay close attention to what's going on and so yeah I mean there's enough stories that are percolating outside of contracts and whatnot heck we had a trade on Tuesday right mm -hmm. Tanner Pearson going from Vancouver to Montreal so 
I like the way this season is starting for the insiders. You know, it's it's juicy enough to keep us interested where we're not, you know, just kind of regurgitating stuff. Uh, but it's also slow enough that you don't feel like you're beating your head against the wall trying to gather the information. Dregs, we saw uh, Matthew sign that five-year contract, a shorter contract than maybe the team mm-hmm. over four or five years. Um, but, you know, how would that affect other guys coming up, like a Pedersen in Vancouver and the way he yeah. approaches his, his, I guess, career? Well, it definitely has an impact. You know, I remember when Cal Dubas signed Austin Matthews to the five-year deal initially, there was outrage across the National Hockey League. Every general manager is like, what in the hell is this guy doing? I mean, we're trying to lock down these star superstar players for as long as we possibly can. And then you lob that one into the market. And and then they fast forward to recently where he gets the four-year extension, but they have him under contract for five years. And I, I think it will have some impact study, but maybe, you know, take us back to your day. I'm not putting you in the stratosphere of Austin Matthews and the superstar. Yeah, no, don't. In, don't. in fairness. <laughs> no, in fairness, not even did they even play in the same league. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Ferraro and I have talked about this on the pod a number of times over the years. Certain players just don't like having the uncertainty, right? So if you can extend to the length, you know, as maximum as you can get, given your status in the league and with the team, then you you feel the security and you're more comfortable from a family perspective. So uh, I think with Pedersen in Vancouver, this is an important year, not just contractually. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but maybe he wants to see what is this team kind of rounding into? What is it going to look like in a year or two or three or five? So He's uh, he's going to be patient, whether Canucks fans like that or not. I remember, man, last year in Calgary with Brad Tree Living, it was like this massive lesson learned, right? We all saw what happened with Johnny Gaudreau and how that was just crushing for the organization and the position they were put in. And Craig Conroy wasn't going to make that mistake. And it was like this loud bang across the league about the danger of riding your star players into their UFA year. And here we are. There's just a pile of them in all these different markets, you know, from Lindholm and Shifley and Hellebach and Neyland, just all these guys, Dregs. Why is this happening when uh, everybody saw what happened with Brad Trey living? Well, look, I mean, do do the clubs really have a choice? You know, I know Mm -hmm. that Kevin Shevelayoff, you know, he considered trade of Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebach during the offseason, but there wasn't enough interest. And, and that's alarming in and of itself. When you look at those two individual players, you know, you've got a Vesna Trophy winner, um, a goaltender that gives you a chance to win every single night. The New Jersey Devils were deeply interested in Connor Hellebuck. What they didn't like was the idea that to extend him, you're looking at Andre Vasilevsky money, a real big ticket. And we've seen a bit of a trend in goaltending where clubs don't feel like you've got to pay that goaltender that much anymore. Mm-hmm. In Mark Shifley, Curious to me, because I happen to be in the camp that believes Mark Scheifele is is a real good player, right? Like he's an impact guy. There wasn't a ton of trade interest. And I clarified this on Tuesday too. I mean, you know, there's been this misconception that Scheifele just wants out of Winnipeg. You know, maybe borderline asked for a trade. Well, he has never asked for a trade. And nor has he ever said that he wouldn't extend. So maybe what we're looking at now across the league and throw William Nylander and the Maple Leafs into that camp um, players, again, of that stature, maybe more than ever willing to bet on themselves. There's no guarantee that Shifley and the Winnipeg Jets and Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets are going to have the year that they're counting on having. 
there are many experts out there who think that they're going backwards. I don't happen to be on that side. I think that, you know, they, they got good return for Dubois they're going to be good. But these players have enough swagger and belief in themselves that uh, they think that they, they're going to command whatever they want, whatever they need at the end of the contract. So then that puts the onus back on the club, to your point, Ryan, and the fact that, okay, well, now the clock is ticking. You know, if if you don't want to be Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames and watch these players walk for free, well, you right. have an option. Your option is to 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 trade them, get whatever you can at the trade deadline, and we'll see if that happens. It was interesting yesterday in Winnipeg, Struds. I mean, both Shifley and Hellebuck sort of like Shifley said, "I'm open to staying." Both guys yeah. kind of said this doesn't need to be a distraction. But Struds, if you're running Winnipeg and you're looking, if you could keep one of the two, let's say you're able to get one of those two deals done. Which do you think is the bigger loss between those two struts? Who are you prioritizing? Well, I got to give my answer some context. I picked and I, I expected Winnipeg Jets to do much better than they did mm -hmm. over the last few years, right? Nice. And and I don't know where that the blame is, but I think we can all agree that group underperformed. So my yeah. question would be, why are you keeping members of a group that underperformed when they when they weren't able to get it done? And and I get like Hellebuck's a great uh, goal, and I'm with you, Drex. I really like Mark Scheifele. I think he's a great player, but to date, that group hasn't got it done, and they were led yeah. by those two guys, with, along with Blake Wheeler. I think Josh Morrissey maybe a little bit less because he was kind of younger. But I go back to some of those teams they had. What was it, five, six years ago? Like I I thought they were Stanley Cup ready, um, yeah. and they weren't. So what are you holding on to? This isn't like a, a dying dynasty, like a Sidney Crosby no. and company in Pittsburgh, uh, Drex. Am I? What am I missing here? No. No, I, I I think the concern would be, and obviously, as, as we've already discussed, you know, at some point this season with the March 8th trade deadline, there is going to be a decision that has to be made by ownership and, and management. The concern is that, okay, well, if you move Mark Shifley and you move Connor Hellebuck and you don't get back, you know, assets that are going to make you viable right now, what message does that send to Kyle Connor, yeah. to Nikolai Ehlers, and to mm. Cole Perfetti, and all of these young pieces? Mm. So, it's um, you know it's a defining season for the Winnipeg sure. Jets and maybe for the office of the general manager. Everybody's trying their best to do and say the right thing, right? Not to be inflammatory, wow. not to be. Ah, it's, we'll see, we'll <laughs> see, whatever. Except for Steven Stamkos, and I'm not saying <laughs> that he it. was trying to cause problems, but he got up there and he gave a very honest answer. He made it clear that he wanted to get a contract done at the end of last year and finish his career as a member of the Lightning. And then he got up uh, in training camp and said, yeah, I'm pretty disappointed that there hadn't even been in any talks. Now, you know, they're, they're, they're cold and calculated out there in Tampa Bay, Dregs. We've seen that from that organization multiple times. What strategy is at play here? Well, I think Julian Breesbaugh in response sort of acknowledged that. He said, look... Stamkos and I both want the same thing. We want to win. Um, you know, I think that that Julian Breesbaugh has been masterful, maybe top of class, frankly, in manipulating the salary cap. And that's not a dirty word. That's that's a fact. Um, in in the bold decisions that he's made that have cost them good players at, around the trade deadline because they're trying to win the Stanley Cup every single year. I, I guess I would call it a misstep from. An outside perspective here, Steven Stamkos is a respected captain, right? And and he's not looking to kick dirt on Breezebaugh or, by extension, his owner in Tampa Bay. But the misstep comes for me in 
Well, how do you not have those conversations if your management and ownership with Newport Sports are directly with your captain to say, look, we need to know what you're looking for here to play out your days with the Tampa Bay Lightning because that's really what we want. And you start managing and massaging what that term might look like, what the money might look like, and you're brutally honest. But you have to be honest back the other way. If Stamkos comes in and says, well, I feel like I've got another five years in me, um, and I do it for the same money, you know, well, that's not reality <laughs> from Tampa Bay's standpoint. So they might go back and say, okay, well, then we're going to have to do this year to year. But it doesn't sound like any of that happened. And I think that that's where the disappointment comes from. Dregs, uh, how are teams going to approach uh, Patrick Kane and his rehab? And are they going to want to get a look at him skating? Yeah. Or is that even an option for teams that are potentially interested in the star winger? Well, I, I think they'll approach it very similarly to how, say, Vegas handled the the Jack Eichel situation with the, the Buffalo Sabres at the time. You know, that was an exploratory type of surgery that Eichel had, the disc replacement in his neck. Tyler Johnson then had it. I mean, it's it, it and it changed the career path of Jack Eichel. And you can make a case that, you know, it helped the Vegas Golden Knights win a Stanley Cup in a big way. But Vegas would have had full, full access to the medical reports. Um, Pat Brisson represented Jack Eichel. He represents Pat Kane. Mm -hmm. Terrific at making sure that the interested parties have everything that they need. And in mm -hmm. this case, Kane is an unrestricted free agent, right? So there's no maneuvering with the club that holds his rights. So it'll be full disclosure for any club. But, you, you know, you do have to then pass the eye test, right, Struddy? I mean, yeah. you know, he had a, a resurfacing surgery of the hip, um, not a replacement, but, you know, a significant surgery. He's been rehabbing here around Toronto, which, by the way, has Maple Leaf fans buzzing. You know, he's been doing it <laughs> since July. I oh, guess yeah. they feel like Toronto's <laughs> going to find a way to blow their cap out the window and add a right winger with Willie Nylander playing center. I, I don't think that Patty Kane is going to play for a million dollars a year, but I could be wrong. But it's it's caused a stir, and there will be interest, provided he's healthy enough. Buffalo is keenly interested. But, again, I mentioned two teams. A healthy Patrick Kane, even though he's approaching 35 years of age, is going to attract a lot of clubs, a lot of teams. Maybe the one in Edmonton. How do you know? Mm -hmm. Well, they've certainly been aggressive going after people. Uh, sure. Great stuff, Dregs. Uh, appreciate that. That was uh, takeaways Love brought to you by Redefined Health. You undo that button, buddy. That's yeah. Actually, I see yeah. some tan line. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, you just needed to dig a little deeper. There's the tan line, buddy. Uh, hey, you know what? You guys have something in common now this year. What's you know that? what? You know what you guys have in common? I don't wear jeans under my track pants. No, no, it's not that. My jeans or it's not that. It's definitely not the way the way you wear your headphones. By the way, any comment on that, Dregs? I, I thought for sure you would launch into that immediately. No. Yeah, look at look at that. Who cares? Why does that matter? He can That's hear nice. you. You can hear him. Yeah. Jeez. Let me be my own wow. person. Let me be my own individual. I, I've, I've kind of got the same thing going here. You no, you don't. You look at his. You don't. When did you become a pacifist on low-hanging fruit like that? What you guys now have in common? I'm both of your bosses. Uh, okay. Michael Scott. I said it earlier, like Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I am the regional manager at Rev Media. And uh, for those that don't know, we're thrilled to be bringing on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast into our podcast ecosystem. Uh, so that basically makes me your boss, Dregs. And okay. that's why we've had our daily half-hour calls. 
Uh, but we're going to fire up next week, buddy. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah me too. I mean, I don't think Ray Ferraro is as excited no. as we are. He's annoyed but, by me. More yeah. annoyed than you. Oh, yeah. But I mean, but don't forget, I mean, Cammy, obviously, the assistant general manager of the Vancouver Canucks is immersed in training camp. So Ray is Mr. Mom, Dad, right. the chauffeur. He's doing it all. Yeah. So that's why his, his, his elevated annoyance is uh, it's duly noted and earned. <laughs> Nothing is going to change on the pod. couple nah. episodes a week. Going to be high-quality stuff. Great interviews all year long. we uh, got lots of plans in the works, and it's going to be tons of fun. Look forward to that next week, Dregs, and thanks for checking in today, pal. Thanks, boss. Okay, you bet. You know what, Dregs? Tell you what. Put in another 45 or so, and then go ahead and take the rest of the day off. <laughs> Perfect. That's TSN exactly Hockey well. Insider, Darren Dreger. That was Takeaways brought to you by Redefined Health. Short break. And then we've got your favorite segment. You want it. You need it. You're learning to love it. Strutty's World coming up. Long Shots Golf is the destination for both golf enthusiasts and sports fans. Top-of-the-line TrackMan simulators provide a highly entertaining and accurate golf experience, while a full-service sports bar loaded with big screens and scratch kitchen make it a truly unique destination. They have locations in Sherwood Park and Edmonton. Experience the best indoor golf and sports bar in town. Visit longshots.ca. That's longshots with a Z .ca. When you make a mistake, heads should roll. Just me and Nick Lachey, window down, shirt off, just loving it. My goal is someday made before scum. No, but I say it out loud. It does sound a little crazy. Oh, yes. Time for Strutty's World, brought to you by DLR Vinyl Products with locations in Calgary and Edmonton. They provide beautiful, maintenance-free vinyl fencing and decking materials. The key there is maintenance-free, right? A lot of folks probably thinking about their deck and their fence. Because it's wood, and you know it's going to need a ton of elbow work, right? Staining, painting, sanding, all that stuff. When you put in maintenance-free, you don't have to worry about any of that anymore. You can just sit back, put your feet up, relax, and enjoy it. I've got it in my backyard. It's high-end stuff. Uh, visit Rick here in Edmonton at DLR Vinyl Products or Rob out in Calgary, and they will take great care of you. Visit dlrvinylproducts.ca. Time for Strutty's World. What's on your mind, big guy? 74 goals for, 70 goals against. That means plus four on five-on-five five play. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Leon Dreisaitl, stud center for the M2 order. So, again, he was on for 74 goals for, 70 goals against last year at four and four He scored 51 goals, and he ended up being plus four, five-on-five five goal differential. Um, and I'm here to tell you, that's got to improve. When you look at uh, his plate, oh, he could be affected by his linemates, no doubt. He could talk about save percentage by uh, his goaltenders when he was on the ice. But at the end of the day, when you compare him to other elite centers, let's just go through numbers. Nathan McKinnon was 30, plus 30 in five-on-five five goals for. Uh, Kobotar, plus 17. Eichel won a Stanley Cup, plus 21. Uh, Elias Pettersson on a bad team was plus 12. Bergeron, this is incredible, actually. He had 46 goals for 18 against. He was plus 28, only scoring 46 goals. Now there's maybe some time missed, and that was a really elite team. But when you're talking about winning a Stanley Cup and you want to be an elite, elite uh, team, this is an area that I think Leon has to shore up. And, you know, Evander Kane, uh, Kane's talked about that 3 to 5% uh, being better. They're instituting a new neutral zone uh, forecheck. It'll hopefully cut down on some of these uh, goals against. 
But if I'm Leon Dreisaitl, there's so much to love about his game. And I've been talking for a long time about him. I'd like to see him push into the Selkie conversation where he not only can score offense, score points on offense, but he becomes a, a, a really hard guy to play against, much like Kopitar. Now, Kopitar has kind of maybe swung too far to the defensive side, but I think there's somewhere here, Shogger in the middle, where this guy comes out with a higher uh, five-on-five goal differential. We've seen it in past years, but I think for this year upcoming, if they truly want to punch into that top level, this is an area if I'm Leon Dreisaitl, I'm looking at. I think it's a great point that you make today in Struddy's world. In order to push the kind of offense that he pushes, right, 128 points, 52 goals, you're on a razor's edge, right? You, In order to push those sorts of totals, you, you're wired a certain way. And I think the Drysaddle and McDavid have been wired that way for a long time. But you can tell they want to make this change in their wiring struds. And this comes across as criticism, but really it's not. It's about those guys recognizing those fine margins. What you're talking about here with Drysaddle, I think he's poised wanting and ready to do i do get that sense from him yeah i think that makes sense and you know people are gonna say well what is Connor mctable he was plus 13 right so he scored 60 some goals i know a lot, a lot there's quite a few power play goals and i get that but when you're talking about winning a stanley cup you have to look at everything you have to examine everything that every player on your team is doing including the team strategy which we now see there's going to be adjustment and i think for leon this is an attitude he can take on I'm not an attitude. Sorry. How can I frame this? This is a new way of looking at playing Frame hockey. of mind. Sure. Yeah, new yeah. yeah, a new frame. Yeah, I like that. New frame of mind that he's going to say, this is how I'm going to be. And not only am I going to score, but and maybe I'll score a little bit less, but I'm going to make sure that other teams, top players, hate playing against me. So you go against Vegas, Eichel. I'm going to dominate this guy offensively and more importantly, defensively. I'm going to go against Vancouver. Pedersen, I'm going to dominate this guy. I'm going to go down to Calgary and play against Lindholm. I'm going to play Toronto, Matthews. I'm going to go down and play Kobotar or whoever, Pierre-Luc Dubois down in Kings. Like That's the attitude he has to take, um, or I would like to see him take. And I think that that, that difference between the goals for and to go against would change on the five-on-five. Five. Yeah, and the other thing about Leon Dreisaitl, when he digs in that way, I just think he'll pull other guys into that fight. Oh. I, you know, when they when you're sitting on the bench and you see this high octane offensive guy that you know at times it's come and gone from his game a little bit, but when you see him dig in and bite down in that way, Struds guys are going to have no choice but to follow. I would submit it's even different than when McDavid does it. Yes, and and I think the size and and quite frankly the attitude of of Drysaddle is is. It's, it can be very intimidating. You know, when he gets grumpy, like imagine if he locked horns in a, in a seven-game series and he decides, I'm going to make Jake Eichel's life hell. And, mm -hmm. and not because I'm going to fight him or run him over, mm -hmm. but I'm going to make him skate through me every time he gets the puck. Every time we get a face-off, I'm going to win this face-off. I'm going to be all over him. And I'm going to still score. He's still going to score. But I might score 10% less. But I'm going to get this attitude. And that is intimidating. You see, when you see a top player, your top player being owned by another, the other team's top player, it's intimidating. And it has repercussions, not just on your line and through the lineup, but for the other team as well. So this is a compliment I'm giving Leon Dreisaitl. And quite frankly, it's a challenge that I think he's more than capable of taking on and able to do uh, for this Oilers team. I think it's a fantastic point.
and an excellent, maybe the best edition of Strutty's World here on season three <laughs> of the podcast. Great job, buddy. Okay, our final segment of the podcast. Normally, we would normally be live streaming the podcast, but we had a few technical snafus here and there. So we're going to push this out on Twitter and on YouTube after we're done, but we're not live like we normally are. We want to be live as much as we can because we love our Ask Us Anything segment, but today it's going to be a rapid-fire segment instead, and that's going to be brought to you by Rini Buclan, um, the shark of the park, uh, Maxwell Devonshire Realty. Rini is all about amazing service for her clients. Buying a house is a huge deal, and you need somebody that you can trust and who you know is working 24-7 to either sell your house or help you find a new one. Give her a call, 780 994 0280. That's Rini Buclan, Shark of the Park. Strutty's favorite nickname on the podcast so far this year. Steve, are you bring? Can you get your there? You are got yourself up on camera. How, how's it going, buddy? You've been flying solo today. How are you feeling? Are you sweating? It's been fairly smooth. Yeah, it's been okay. You know, a little bit of sweat, but uh, it's been pretty good. You guys have been awesome. <laughs> right on, right on. So we're going to do more rapid fire. Strud's, uh, you don't have any idea what these questions are. Uh, I do, so I'm more prepared than you. So I may win this rapid fire oh. edition. But Steve, <laughs> uh, go ahead, buddy. Fire away. All right, boys, here we go. First of all, who will score more goals this season? Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Evander Kane? Strud's, you're first on all these, by the way. Oh, man. Uh, I'll 37 go, uh, for Nuge last year. Part 40, what did you say? 37, 37 for news I, last I'm going to go Evander Kane. So you think healthy and likely playing on a line with McDavid, he'll find that touch. Now, do you think it, uh, there'll be a regression for Nuge? I do think there will be. Yeah, I think that might be his high watermark for goal scored in his career. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go Ryan Nugent Hopkins because I doubled down uh, on a previous podcast and said uh, – might have been on Dusty's show, I think, and I said that I thought Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a good chance to get 100 points again. So I'm going to stick with Nugent Hopkins on that. All right. Who's going to average more minutes per game, Philip Broberg or DeHarnay? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with Vinny DeHarnay because he's going to play penalty kill. Mm, that's a good point by you. Really, this boils down to do we believe that Philip Broberg is going to give them no choice but to play him? Because it doesn't make quite as much sense for Philip Broberg to fit into the lineup, right? There's not as much space on his natural left side. Is he going to give them no choice? The other thing is injuries. Potential for injuries really gives Broberg more of a look, right. but I agree with you, Struds. I'm going to go with DeArnay as well uh, because I think the orders are going to be able to stay fairly healthy on the blue line. they got pretty robust guys, and so I will say DeArnay as well. Okay, I want to make it clear that I didn't write these questions. Right out of a <laughs> warm shower, would you take a punch in the face or a kick in the pills? You must choose one. I'll take the punch to the face. I've taken plenty of those. A kick to the junk would be that has long-term repercussions. Yeah, Although you and I are both done reproducing, so I think you know, and we do work on uh, on a visual medium. But yeah, yeah, I'll take I'll take a punch to the face, Steve. Why are you being weird with your questions? Man? Oh, yeah, okay. Wondering. You got to yeah. come on the podcast and be all weird like that. Don't put these on me. Uh, who starts game one in the playoffs? Who's going to start in net game one in the playoffs? If you have to guess right now. I'll go Stu Skinner. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think that Jack Campbell's better positioned this year to make this more of a competition. Um, but I think it'll be a good year of development for Stuart Skinner. And uh, he will get the call in game one. That is the easy answer. We would have made headlines if either one of us would have said Jack Campbell. 
All right, end of the regular season. Where do the Oilers finish in the Western Conference? Well, definitely amongst the top teams. Can they be the top team? I'm saying yes. I'm saying that they finish at the top this year. Remember, they, they were with? they were one they were the best team in the league for like two months at the end of last season. They have it in that room, right? They got a full season at home. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I'm going with them at the top of the conference. So who are they competing with? Vegas? Is it Vegas and, oh, yeah. and them? Yeah, Vegas. I mean, people feel LA is going to be really strong again this year as well. Um, yeah, I mean, but LA, I would say, yeah. would be or uh, Vegas would kind of be that other main team, I would say. We'll see where Colorado lands. No Landeskog again. Yeah. Yeah, I, man, I, I want to say yes. I, I just think Vegas is just polished. They're, they're, I've seen them do what I'd like to see the Oilers do. So I'm going to say Vegas. Very good. Okay, a few more fun ones here. You're crossing the street at a crosswalk. A car stops for you to cross the street. Do you wave at the car that stopped or just walk across because they're supposed to stop? Yeah, I love that one. So I always wave, but I don't hustle across. I can't, it's one of my pet peeves <laughs> when I see people wave and they hurry across. No, no, you don't have to hurry. Just walk across at your normal pace. Whoa, like I whoa, see an old whoa. lady high-stepping and hurrying, blowing her hamstring out to hurry for me. Why <laughs> no, am I no, so no. important? You're offside uh, with this one, Struds. Completely disagree. I wave. And I pick it up a little bit out of respect for the fact that they have stopped, right? You appreciate the stop. So you give them the wave and the acknowledgement that I appreciate it. And I'm going to, I'm, you don't have to run. You pick it up 15, 20%. Steve, where are you at on this one? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I pick it up big time. I wave. I'm very appreciative of how could you not, how can you wave and be like, yeah, thanks for stopping. And then just mosey along and take your sweet time. It suggests that his time is more valuable than mine. I'm walking the dog. I've given, I've acknowledged it with a wave. I'm walking across. If you don't speed up when a car is stopped, forget your wave. You might as well flip them the bird the way you handle this. Consciously decide. I've decided I'm not walking fast. I refuse. I refuse to sprint across. Why? Why do I, what is it, save him two seconds in his Nobody's day? saying sprint, Struds, but no. noticeably pick it up so they can see an increase in your cadence and feel appreciation for them having stopped. Nothing brings me more sadness when I see a lady like Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> trying to sprint across the crosswalk, hamstrings blowing up, calves seizing, just walk normal pace. You're I'm not a asking six you to foot four up. athletic male with the full ability to pick up the pace without any risk Refuse. of harm to yourself. I will never speed up when I walk. I will acknowledge. Holy smokes. And I will walk. This you're is just good. being a jerk. You're I don't have be, to speed you're just, up. You're just being a jerk. Why do we have to hurry? Doesn't make sense. I don't understand why this has become widely accepted. Then why wave? Society. Then if you're not going to pick up your pace, don't you. wave. Don't no. wave. That's an insult. Okay. We agree to disagree. Okay. Fine. Moving on. Moving on. Name one player in the organization who will surprise us and play games with the team this season. Man, there's not a lot of room out there. Uh, I'm going to jump in first, so you got a second to think about it. I'm going to go with Borgo. And now you could say that's not a fair one to pick because it wouldn't be a huge surprise, but yeah. they're split into two groups at training camp, right? There's a group of guys that are clearly right there in one ice session, and then there's the other guys, the American League guys and some of the younger guys. Now, these are guys that very much potentially have a future with the team, but it's very clear. Borgo's in the second group. He's not with the main group. The general feeling is, is he's going to take some time and it's more likely next year for him. But 
I like Xavier Borgo. I like his skill set. I like the attitude that he brings. And I think for him to get games in the NHL this year, he's going to have to be scrappy and he's going to have to earn it. And I'm going to bet on him to do that. You know, I, I don't know. I can't even think of someone that would be a surprise. Like, I think Borgo needs to get some I think Rafa Lebois should have probably got some games last year just yeah. so he could feel what it looks like. He's got a good chance uh, to start, right, because he needs waivers. And, and yeah. they, they may not want to risk losing him on waivers. I liked him yesterday, by the way. It's just one skate. But I like the way he moved yeah. around out there for a big guy. The problem is it for with Lafayette Lavoie, I know this wasn't the question, but you have to make a decision whether you keep him or not. You've never seen him play in the NHL. And no disrespect to training camp or exhibition games, but it's not the same. Um, it's why yeah. you keep him and give him a look before you make that call. But you talk about being, putting force, like really forcing a guy to really play well. Like it, it, it just, it just, I don't know. I don't like the way that that. I don't know, man. Out. Pretty good opportunity. You've been patient in the American League. He's done yeah. what he was supposed to do at least last season. That's He's earned point. the look. Yeah. 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 But put Stu's the ball skinner. in front of him and let him grab it. But Stu Skinner did the same. He had a couple games though, right? So he knew, kind of knew yeah. what was up. Yeah. You're asking the guy to come. He's never played to hopefully play some. I, I don't know. I. I yeah. uh, I think I'll be more surprised if Dylan Howie's on the fourth line. Let's say that's All right, there you go. Steve, last one? Is there more? Yeah, last one. This is an important one. Golf shoes. Do you put them on at home or when you get to the course? Yeah, I I wear them. I wear them there. I wear them out. Boss man. (laughs) No, you know what I do? I wear them. I put them on at the course, but here's why. And I didn't mean for this to turn into a promo for GMC, but it's going to. I So I, I got the 1500 Sierra, and it's got that that tailgate that it'll flip down once and then it'll flip down again. And then there's even another little ledge that flips down. I can actually, cause my back, right? You know, my back struds. I actually can sit down in the parking lot of the golf course on my trifold trunk tailgate and put my shoes on at the golf course. And it is the best feeling. And by the way, I would submit to you, that one of the best feelings associated with golf is after an 18-hole round on a hot day, sitting down on your trifold tailgate, peeling off your golf shoes, and then pulling off your socks. Oh, it's such a good feeling. And to be sitting there relaxed in the parking lot. And I don't care that people stare at me funny sitting on my trifold tailgate. It's a great feeling, Struds. Shogger, I'm going to tell you this. You're the type of guy who keeps his golf shoes in his golf bag. That's the same person, same type of guy who has a wheelie for his hockey bag. Both (laughs) should be banned. (laughs) I keep it all in the back. I've got a little square tubby in the back of my truck. Like when I pull the tailgate down. Oh, man. So this is me. It's got got my golf shoes in there. It's got my socks, extra set of balls if I need. And then I've also got my my uh, trolley, my automated trolley that I can pull out of the back there as well. And then I sit down on my trifold tailgate and get myself ready for the round struds. It's enough. It's I can't. It's just old manish. So you probably have a blanket in there, a flashlight, you know, flares. There is a blanket, but that's because when Randine golfs with me, she likes to sit on the blanket. So yes, there is a blanket back there as well. Roll it. We're out of here. That's uh, not talking about anything on a low note. <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, please come back. Uh, please, even after hearing all of this. Uh, great podcast today uh, until the end. I uh, want to thank Darren Drager for checking in. Rob Brown did a great job as well. Steve, good job behind the scenes, my man. This was your first time flying solo. Uh, we give you, I don't know, Struds. I'm saying a solid C minus, C plus. Uh, it was great. I might have got into the Bs. Really? Yeah. You're a much easier 
greater than I am. Uh, we'll be back next week. Oilers get rolling on exhibition action this weekend. So Streds, and I'm not sure what our next pod is. We kind of fly by the seat of our pants, but lots more to come. So keep a, an eye on our social media channels. Leave us a review on iTunes if you get a chance as well. That wraps this edition. Thanks for checking out Got Your Back, presented by Sherwood Buick GMC. Cheers. Cheers.